Welcome to Southeastern 14's recap of Tuesday night's basketball games. We've got two to discuss. South Carolina's win over Kentucky, which we'll spend a lot of time on, and Texas A&M's defending of its home court in knocking off Missouri in a close game. Going to dive into those both and have some fun with it because, boys, the the Southeastern 14 kiss of death was planted firmly on the cheek of John Calipari and the Wildcats. So we'll have some fun with that in a minute. Uh, South Carolina fans, if, if you're here to gloat, we'll, we'll let you do that. You can, you can leave your gloating in the comments. Have at it because you know what? We earned it. A reminder, our channel or this video is brought to you by Bet Online. NFL playoffs are here. The NBA season is in full swing. BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, trends, lines, and info on desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action, see the updated odds. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Max Barr. I mean, the, the game started last night in Columbia. I don't remember what, 5.30, 6, 6 Central, two of us are in Central, you're in Eastern. But did, did the game ever really get started? Because we, we, I think I feel like we clinched the outcome in South Carolina's favor like a, a good 36 hours before the game was ever played. And And by doing that, we guaranteed them a victory. Yes, that's it, my point. Yeah, it was it was over before it started. I'm telling you right now, if I pick your team to win, run, sprint, just like how Blake sprinted to draft Jordan Wright, sprint to the other side if I pick your team. Uh, you want to know a little representation of what Lamont Paris and in, in South Carolina did to me last night, did to all of us last night? Look at this right here. The three sons of Lamont Paris and Michi Johnson. Just embarrassed. Embarrassed in prime time. What disrespect to the Gamecocks. You want to know what we all feel like right now? The three stooges. Blake, give me your thoughts. How are you feeling right now after completely swinging and missing on this game? I'm just trying to figure out, like, I think you got I think you got the Stooges right. I think Chris is definitely Mo. Um you're you're stern you and I both have the stern faces, so we're gonna be Larry and Curly. Um Chris just looks I, I think Chris is actually when you really look at this photo, again, if you're only listening to this on podcast, you're not getting the full experience. But you gotta get on YouTube. Chris's photo seems like a little bit of happiness, if you ask me. A little bit of <laughs> excitement in his eyes. And that is because we know Chris this week had been wishing for the downfall of the Kentucky Wildcats. And he got exactly what he wanted. So I think when you look at it from that standpoint, this photo as the three stooges that we are is absolutely perfect because Chris is the one that's excited. Max and I are the ones that are pissed off and <laughs> it all comes around. Right. Um, yeah, this was, this was something where again, um, Chris could not have made his point any better in a week like this. The timing could not have been any better uh, for him to kind of set this up 
with Kentucky losing this game the way that they did because <laughs> I know we're going to trust me, boy, I can't wait to hear those defensive efficiency numbers this morning, but <laughs> let me just tell you right now. Okay. That I didn't think was the exact reason that Kentucky lost this game. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, yeah. I think Kentucky came out and to me, this looked like what a team looks like when it plays at Tennessee, a team that goes in and cannot handle the physicality of the opposition. Because we say that a lot with Tennessee when teams play in Knoxville. Yep. This was the same thing here because Kentucky wanted no part of South Carolina's physicality. They wanted no part of the, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think in football, what was it? We, we talked about Alabama trying to bring back the bully ball. Like South Carolina was all in on that here. They bumped Kentucky at every chance they could get. They were physical. They were aggressive. And Kentucky was not. And to me, that was the big difference in this game. Now, sure, there were defensive lapses, um, you know, obvious ones, inbounds plays, those kind of things. South Carolina hit, what was it, 11 threes in this game. They went 11 to 24. Yep. I will say, in a little bit of defensive Kentucky, some of the shots South Carolina made were ridiculous, including the Michi Johnson one that he shot from, you know, the other end of the court, essentially. But – and I mean, something else too, right? Jacoby Wright. Or was it Jacoby Wright? Who am I thinking of? Yeah, Jacoby Wright. He started four for four from three. Started four for four. Yep. This guy shoots 27.5% on the season. And he comes <laughs> out and goes four for four to start things off. So you just knew. And I texted you guys. I said, yep. if, before even halftime, I said, South Carolina is 100% winning this game. You could see all the trends that were in South Carolina's favor early in this game. And to me, it never at any point Felt like Kentucky was going to be able to match their physicality. Kentucky was not hitting shots. And let me just quickly point this out, too. There is zero reason that Kentucky should only shoot 13 three-pointers in a game this season. There is no way. You have got to find a way to get more than 13 three-pointers shot because this is a team that has excelled shooting the three-pointer. Again, give South Carolina a lot of credit for that because it was them bumping them out. It was forcing them to not get the open shots. It was forcing them to, to kind of just, hey, they're all over us. We're going to put the ball down, and we're going to try to just go. Didn't work out. But Cal, whoever, has got to find a way to run stuff to where they get more than 13 three-pointers in a 40-minute basketball game because that has been their strength all season. It was never in play here. And when you combine everything together that I just said, the double whammy for Kentucky, South Carolina, just complete domination here of the Kentucky Wildcats. And so, Max, I will lean on my bold prediction of South Carolina making the NCAA tournament. I'm never picking against South Carolina again. I'm never picking a road team ever again in SEC play this season. That is the last stand for road teams for me. So, Yeah, before I get into it, Chris – you you kind of had the floor here with with Kentucky this week. I just want I want to throw it to you first. Do you do you have any any sort of comment here for for your resident Wildcats? Well, I, I do, and, and look, I, we're going to get to South Carolina in a minute because to the victors yeah. go the spoils, and I think there's some things with the Gamecocks that deserve to be unpacked that we have not gotten to yet. So if you're watching this or listening to this, and you're thinking. Hey, well, where's the South Carolina talk? It's coming. There are there are projections, and there is what you are. And sometimes what you are is not what you wind up being. And with Kentucky, I've said it a million times, I could see 
the path to this team being much better and winning at all. But you get judged in the moment by what you are. Defense wasn't really their issue last night. I mean, it was some, but as Blake pointed out, you had some guys hitting some shots, or maybe it was you, Max, that don't normally hit them at the rate they hit them. That's just basketball. But but the thing that has worried me, and you guys made fun of me for the Georgia game, um, for, for Kentucky allowing a lot of – but, I mean, I, I've just seen this team play like it is young. Going back to, the, I think, the first game of the season that they played. Where, I mean, Kentucky looked like world beaters against Kansas. I feel like that keeps popping up. The defensive thing, you can you can say all you want to about it. You can say the stats are misleading, but they are what they are. Um, now, look, my, my stance on teams is I start really paying attention to what a team is in mid-February. And, and if we run a Bart Torvik or something that from, you know, February, February 8th on to, to mid-March, this team is top 25 in defensive efficiency. Then to me, I think that holds water. We, we've got a team that's got big Z back. It has changed the chemistry. And it's a young team, and young teams sometimes take some time to form. So I get all that. But the but the but where they are, they have still not answered my concerns with, with enough of a response yet, number one. No, number two, and Tuesday nights for full disclosure – or a little bit chaotic for me. Um, I've got to get a son to basketball practice. So sometimes I'm, I'm driving and I'm, I'm listening to the audio, but I'm not watching. Um, and then I'm sitting at practice watching on my phone, but I, I couldn't, was, was there some reason Reed Shepard played 15 minutes last night? I mean, he was invisible when he was in there. He got what, uh, two shots last night. Complete non-factor played 14 minutes or 15 minutes, depending on which box score you consult. I, I get that they're adding Big Z and they're having to figure some things out on the fly. Who gets minutes where? But I, I can you guys give me a good reason why DJ Wagner's playing 30 minutes last night and Reed Shepard's playing 14 or 15? I don't think there was any specific specific game plan reason why or anything like that. I think it was more of just... Lamont Paris outcoached Cal in this game with, with game plan wise, came out, punched him in the mouth with physicality. And, you know, they played with the lead pretty much the entire game. I mean, what it was, I think Kentucky led for like the first 10 minutes, maybe after that, it was all South Carolina. So I don't think there was any real reason why or, or any big, you know, takeaway like Reed Shepard's not going to be getting minutes now and there's stuff like that. I don't think it's any of that. I think it was just a brutal road game and, and Cal was searching for stuff. Uh, I think for South Carolina, I, I, we said it in the we said it in the preview. And I think this is like my 10th time where in a preview, I'll list off reason after reason on why a team is going to make it close and maybe even win. And then I just pick the other team. I do it. I do it like every time. Did it again with South Carolina. Um, I think Colin Murray Boyles, the his production has been outstanding. He just he outdueled Brazil in that matchup of the four, and now he wins this one here again. Uh, I mean, six points, but what he does: nine rebounds, five assists, three blocks, two steals. The guy's everywhere, and he's still getting better. You don't have Miles Studi, don't worry. Jacoby Wright's going to hit four threes. It's like he never left. Uh, I think this was just 
game plan, physicality, and execution for South Carolina. Lamont Paris said anytime Big Z went in, they were putting in big 260 senior uh, Josh Gray to bang it and get and be physical with them. It was this was game plan. This was perfectly executed by South Carolina. Yes, they hit tough shots, but hey, when you're playing in front of that that crowd, the sellout, this record of students, you're gonna have you're gonna have some swagger and some confidence. You're gonna knock down some shots. So you got to tip your cap to South Carolina. As far as the Kentucky minutes go, I think it was just they were nothing was working. They were getting out physical and, and Cal was trying to find different stuff. What do you see anything different that I'm not seeing there, Blake? No, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think we should ask why DJ Wagner played more than Reed Shepard. I think that's unfair to DJ Wagner because I mean, you're talking oh, about a guy who, right. I was been, talking more about Shepard's minutes. No, but I, I, Chris brought up why is, I think why is DJ Wagner playing 30 minutes and Reed Shepard's only playing 14. I think that's unfair to DJ Wagner. Like, I don't think he's the problem. <laughs> Um, no, now he didn't, he didn't shoot it well, but you are talking about a guy who just came off of 18 points and 10 assists, which by the way, Kentucky had seven assists in this game as a whole. Um, to me, that speaks volumes because they had how many made field goals? 25 That's seven assists. Well, look at South Carolina's assists. 20, right? So that, that, that's my point is like Kentucky was trying to do everything. Yeah. Because they felt pressured, because they were getting bumped around, because South Carolina was putting all the pressure on them, Kentucky was never able to get in any flow in terms of the usual unselfishness, all that kind of stuff that we've talked about with this team this year. And again, that's credit South Carolina. But I, you know, yeah, can you can you wonder why Reed Shepard only played that many minutes? Sure, but I don't know. I mean, in those 14 minutes, was he doing anything really to – make you feel like he had to be on the floor. Um, you could game. say that about a lot of guys. So, I mean, I think that was the thing is to me, it's you kind of just roll with what you got. But when you basically have multiple guys who have been kind of your key players and, and they're not really a factor, um, which again, I don't know that that's all on the players. <laughs> I mean, I think part of that's you have to put them in a position to be more of a factor. And that's why I said, I don't think they did that because I think they should have been running a lot more stuff to try to get themselves open threes, better ball movement, all those kind of things, instead of it just being in a lot of scenarios. You saw it, Max. I mean, ball screen. scenarios, it was just, yeah, ball screen, guy tried to take somebody off the dribble, and that was it. Yep. That was the whole deal. And good luck. If you made the shot, great. If you didn't, oh, well. Because, you know, something else South Carolina did a great job of getting back. Like, they were not letting Kentucky control the tempo. And we said that, like, at the Alabama plan. Yeah, yeah, like that was it. It was tremendous. And so, like I mentioned, I, I know we have to talk about the Kentucky aspect of this because the number, whatever team they were, just got blown out on the road. But absolutely, we are not taking anything away from South Carolina because I think it is clear at this point that South Carolina is 16-3. and three. Just because we pick against them doesn't mean we don't think South Carolina is good. But now, I think it's very clear. When you see how they game plan, when you see that they have guys stepping up in Miles Studi's absence, and when you see, you know, we talk about it, but like if you see a Jacoby Wright step up and make four threes, is he going to do that every game? Maybe not, but he did it this game, and that's what matters. <laughs> like yep. he did it when they needed him to do it, and he did it in this game right here. Um, you know, anytime Michi Johnson's on the floor, you're in good shape, in my opinion, because he's just, we talked about it earlier in the season. I said, these guys just feel like gamers. I think that's what I said about the big four, like back in, in November, yeah, early December. Yeah. They just feel like gamers, guys who just will step up, and they're older. Keep that in mind, too. Chris said it earlier. 
I I think Kentucky's looked a lot older this season maybe than some people have, but this was the game where if you just walked up and said, who's the older team here? 100% you're going to pick South Carolina every single time because they played like it. They played like the older team. And Kentucky played like a young, young team that was not ready for, again, what I think it was just more about the physicality and the game plan. You said it, Max. I mean, I just don't think Kentucky had a good game plan to counter what South Carolina was doing to them. And that was clear to me the entire game. And it's, it's like Kentucky never figured it out. And maybe that had something to do with just the minutes distribution, all those kind of things. But there weren't a lot of options on this night because I didn't see anyone out there that was playing just a, a terrific game in any way, shape, or form for Kentucky. So, All right, let, let me clarify the, the Reed Shepard comment, then we'll, we'll flip it to Carolina. Um, m- maybe that was not the best way I could put it. I guess what I would say, it was not long ago that we were debating Reed Shepard as the player of the year in this league. So maybe he didn't do much last night. I don't base my entire opinion on one game in which a guy got 15 minutes. I think his body of work has justified more things. My point was, if I'm going to give one guard 30 minutes and 115, all things being equal, Shepard should be the guy, in my mind, that's out there for 30 minutes a night. I'm not taking minutes away from Reeves. So, again, not not to pick on him, uh, Shepard. And, and maybe this is it. Wagner had three of Kentucky's five steals last night. Maybe there was something on the defensive end Calipari liked. Shepard also looked off his game. I, I don't know if he got rattled by not being out there much, but he missed a layup that I think the three of us would have hit last night. So maybe maybe it's just a case of not his night and, and Cal saw something we didn't. But in the end, it just – nothing much was working for anybody on the Kentucky side. Now, I think we were all – I think we all would have picked Kentucky to win this game anyway. Um, when in doubt, I usually go with talent, and there's no question who the more talented team of, of the two is here. But I think when the Studi injury happened, we all said, okay, they they rely a lot on four guys, and that's one of them, and he brings a dimension that maybe some of those others don't bring. To me, it was an easy pick at that point to go with Kentucky. That points to the job that Lamont Paris has done. I think if we are taking votes for coach of the year at this point, uh, a coach of the year is a funny award because it's usually the guy who overshot expectations by the largest amount. And right now that would undoubtedly be Lamont Paris. I think you could make a case right now for Rick Barnes. You could make a case for Bruce Pearl. My guess is that the vote we're taking today, given on the way the award is usually awarded, it would go to Lamont Paris, and I would not have an issue with it. Number two, one of those big three is Talon Cooper. And and boys, if there's a more underrated player in this league than Talon Cooper, I would like somebody to tell me who that is. The guy's a point guard in the SEC. He's got an assist-to-turnover ratio of just under four. That is unheard of. Last night, he goes five assists, no turnovers, even blocks two shots, gives him 20 points, eight of 11 from the field. This guy is shooting over 50% from the field, 42% from three. He's averaging just under 10 points, but he's off the charts efficient. And I I think we tend to put our focus, we meaning the, the larger Cardinals basketball audience, and maybe even the three of us, on the guys who are volume scores. The guy that gets 25 a night is, is a guy that's always going to get noticed. 
if you're looking for efficiency and, and keeping a team together and getting guys the ball and not wasting possessions, there's probably not a better guy in the league than Talon Cooper right now. Yeah, well, I know what's crazy, too, is that 2022 Moorhead State team that had Janai yes. Broom, the point guard was Talon Cooper. Mm-hmm. We got that 2022 Moorhead State team. Two other starters are running the SEC right now. That's wild. What yeah. a, that's crazy. But yeah, and, and by the way, Kentucky connection. I think Preston Spradlin, who's Moorhead's coach, I think yeah. was at Kentucky as an assistant. I don't know if the OVC is so far down. I don't know if he gets a shot at, at a job somewhere bigger than that one, but that's the top program in that league right now. And then the OVC has been decimated, but just just something to keep an eye on. I don't know if he gets a, a shot in the SEC at some point, but laying the two guys on your team like that at Moorhead State. I know. Uh, point, points to something. So, I mean, I, I think we've talked about Talon Cooper quite a bit this season, probably more than most. It would be because I, I feel like I hear Max saying Talon Cooper in my sleep. I um, love him. Because, and you know, I did the video on him in the summer when he signed. I'm like, hey, this is kind of one of those underrated additions because when you think about it this was kind of what south carolina needed to pair with michi johnson with someone like this and yeah i mean he's been rock solid he's like a middle linebacker out there that's the thing too is right and i think that's south carolina's identity is like they are just i mean look it's work for tennessee right i know they're different teams yeah tennessee has found their identity the past several seasons it's we're going to we're going to make you not want to play us. Like that's kind of the, the motto. Like you are not going to want to play us because of how we play. And I think again, the physicality and just the, yeah, I mean, South Carolina is not afraid of contact. They're not afraid of those kind of things. And to me, it was kind of the opposite here. When you looked on the other side where it was one team was the aggressor and that team was South Carolina. And, you know, it was the guard play. It was everywhere. I mean, they were just, they were the aggressor, and it started with Cooper, it, you know, Johnson. And by the way, too, I'm going to say this. We went into it. I think we said this in the preview, but I said, listen, one of the reasons you could and why I thought this could be a tricky game for Kentucky, of course I picked Kentucky, but why I thought this could be a tricky game is because I said, hey, this, is, this, this isn't South Carolina of last year or the year before or whatever where there's, you know, 500 people in the stands. Like, there's going to be a lot of people there. Like they are winning now. There is a momentum from a fan support standpoint and it is going to impact the game. And it absolutely did right from the tip. Like oh, yeah. it was one where it, you know, and I said, every time Kentucky plays anywhere on the road, it is a Super Bowl type situation. But like this was South Carolina, they brought it. And, and that's the thing is when you start winning, when you start doing what Lamont Paris has done and rebuilding this program, the fans are, are in now, like they're bought in. And now you have a home court advantage that you have not had in, in quite a while. And especially after winning this game. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, they got Tennessee at home later in the year and um, you know, they go to Tennessee next week on Tuesday. That's an interesting game, but so, yeah, I mean, all, all credit to South Carolina here uh, for all the things we said that Kentucky did not do right. Some of them, were Kentucky's, you know, own doing, but I think a lot of them were what South Carolina came in to do and Kentucky could not figure out how to adjust to it. And that's good game planning, good coaching. And South Carolina had all that on Tuesday night. 
Yeah, last thing on South Carolina. This is probably one of the programs that is believed to have one of the lower two or three seedlings in the league. Let's not forget what Lamont Paris did in one of his first acts as, as basketball coach last year. He landed a guy that everybody in the country wanted um, as soon as he got to Carolina a year ago on the recruiting trail. Um that's the thing. It, it, it's not just the fact that he's coached them well. If you can land guys like that, Blake feels like maybe there's a higher ceiling for this program th- than maybe we, we've seen in a while. I think you can make that case for a lot of programs just because I think the transfer portal and NIL has changed the ceiling for SEC teams. I think you can – yes, like I think it's much more possible now to put together – and get the opportunities to build a roster that is capable of basically doing what they've done this season. And I think that's good. That's good for a lot of sec teams. Um, now it's not happening everywhere. Uh, but I think for a team like South Carolina, again, Lamont Paris went out knowing that maybe he's not going to get, you know, the, the top transfer, uh, in every ranking system and all that, but he's going to find the guys that fit how they need to play to be successful. And you guys said earlier, like they have crafted an identity. And you have to do that um, as a team. Like you have to know what your identity is, and you know the, they've they've executed it to this point. Because I mean, really, you could look in every statistical area and see that they are improved essentially everywhere this season. Like going back to last year, they've improved everywhere, and that is you know developing the players that you have. It's getting the players in there that fit how you want to play, and yeah, they, they've done all that. So, um, I yeah I. Again, guys, just because we pick against teams, we, we do our predictions for fun. But, like, I think all of us, at least for a while now, e- even after that loss at Alabama, we're like, hey, they went on the road, won an overtime game at Missouri. They go on the road, they beat Arkansas, just took it to Arkansas. There's no reason not to to now look at South Carolina, even before the Kentucky game, and feel like they had a chance here. It was a tricky spot. Max said it. The computers had this as a, what, three-point game or something. Mm-hmm. there's a reason for that, right? Because these computers, they are flawless. And so <laughs> when you look at it from that standpoint, I'm just kidding. But yeah, props to South Carolina. A huge win. They come back home to play Missouri on Saturday. Another very winnable game. Um, Kentucky, back to the drawing board for the Cats. And the Monstars, by the way. Oh, the Monstars oh. got to go back to the drawing board too. We'll recap real quick at the end of the video, a little fantasy update. Ooh. By the way, computers had the final line on that around three points. And uh, the, the recruit I was talking about last. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sure was GG Jackson, of course. So um, all right, moving on. Gentlemen. <laughs> First of all, apologies <laughs> to these two fan bases. Let me just tell you, we're not spending 25 minutes on this game. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say that up front. <clears throat> so nothing against Texas AM. Oh, yes, we are. We're not getting 25 minutes on this one. Texas A&M shoots 28.8% from the floor. Shocker. Still beats Missouri 63-57. 
uh, because possessions, <laughs> that's always what it is. A&M wins the rebounding battle, plus six turnovers. Missouri had 15. Texas A&M had nine. Hey, you, you, you give a team three or four chances on a possession, and Texas A&M will eventually put it in the basket and lather, rinse, repeat, guys. Well, also, if the other team shoots 37 free throws, you're in trouble. Yeah, um, that too. When you only shoot 10 and the other shoots 37, you're in rough shape. The, the thing was, right, good coaches will, I think, always tell you, it's like you want to make more free throws than the other team shoots. Missouri shot 10 free throws. Texas A&M made 27 free throws. Um, now I know some of those come late in the game, right? As it's you know, whatever. Um, but still, I mean, it's, it's a stat and it's interesting to look at, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's very clear at this point, dribble, 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 pass, shoot, but actually skip the shooting part and just throw, throw yep. it off the backboard, throw, and then just let all these guys go get the rebound. All you got to do for Texas A&M. You don't need good shots at this point. You just need shots, period. Just put up shots. Like, don't even worry about getting good ones because you're going to get the offensive rebound. So, and we said it, Max, right? Like, we came to this game. We said that this is the clear advantage for Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Potential second-chance opportunities, the rebounding edge on Missouri. Once again, Missouri is just a team offensively that just does not have anywhere close to what they had last year. I mean, they had, what, 15 points with two minutes left in the first half. And so, it's about a weird like it's about going from watching South Carolina Kentucky to <laughs> watching <Ooh>. portions <laughs> of this game. I mean, Missouri's up thirteen to four with fourteen minutes left. So six minutes of the game, Missouri's up thirteen to four. But then remember what I just said: Missouri is up thirteen to four with fourteen minutes left in the first half. Missouri has fifteen points with two minutes left in the first half. Mm. They scored two points in 12 <laughs> minutes. When, when was the not... last time? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Blake. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to, when, when was the last time you saw two teams play more zone in an SEC game combined than that one? That was just kind of weird to watch. Well, both teams can't shoot. Well, I'd play his own every second. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying I don't understand why. I'm just saying that's a, that's right. kind of a state of things. Also, Missouri had, Four guys with with four fouls. I know that um, Carter. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Five. Carter <laughs> and um, Bates both got theirs pretty early in the second. I would say Bates got his fourth with what seventeen minutes left, something along those lines. And Bates has been the guy that's kind of carried them lately, scoring wise. I, I thought credit to Missouri for for hanging this close. Now I got some. Continued concerns about A and M. I didn't. I didn't come out of this game feeling any better about that team. Probably a little worse than I did coming in, based on all that. But credit, credit Missouri. I mean, here's the team that had everything going against it, and that still was a game that could have gone. You know, the Missouri still had a chance in the last minute or two. I think Texas A and M is severely addicted to putting themselves in a double-digit hole within the first five minutes of the game. This is like every game now they do it. It's it's just on cue. You, you turn on the A&M game, you missed the first five minutes. Don't worry, they'll be down double digits, and then they'll they'll claw back and make it close. 
by halftime. It's just rinse and r- rinse and repeat now. I can't even believe how consistent they are with with their slow starts. Uh, if if I was if we were that consistent with well, we are that consistent right now with getting picks wrong. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there's a little little contrast. Reminder. Yeah, there we go. Little reminder that that's 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 us and Texas A&M in the first five minutes of the game. Um, you, I didn't get the offensive performance that I was looking for from my fantasy duo, but Wade Taylor did do what Wade Taylor does: six of six from the free throw line. Listen, we keep talking about Texas A&M games. We keep talking about the free throw disparity. I think that's just that's just what it's going to be every game, like pretty much every game. Texas A&M is going to scratch and claw their way to more free throws, and that's how they're going to score. And I, you know, sometimes, especially in like Purdue games and stuff like that, you'll people complain about the free throw disparity on how it's so lopsided. That's just how this Texas A&M team is going to play. They're going to miss the first three shots of the possession, get three offensive rebounds, and get fouled, and go one of two from the free throw line. Welcome to Texas A&M basketball. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Missouri, they're gonna they're they're a tight knit group and they're old. And despite being 0-6 in every single postgame press conference, they're they're very positive, um, very optimistic, close, tight knit. No one's turning on each other. It's not like uh Dennis Gates is, you know, saying, I don't know what happened. There's no effort. We have no toughness. There's there's you don't you don't get that vibe with this Missouri team. Um so yeah, you would you would like to pick up a win here, but a lot of them have been close losses, OT loss, stuff like that. So a little bit of a tough result for Mizzou after going up double digits, but AM, they're not gonna lose many at home this year with the rate that their offensive rebounding. Well, here's what let me just tell you. AM scored 21 points off of 15 turnovers for Missouri. Okay. AM scored 27 points at the free throw line. So if you combine those together, there we go. And and essentially, but what I'm saying is, how many points did AM score just on basic on get the offense. ball and go run your offense? I think it's like 15 or something. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, without the turnover added in on the other side, which matters, and they can still run their offense through a turnover. I'm not, I realize I'm going to the extreme here, but my my point is kind of what Max said. This is a team that's got to get the free throw line. Yeah. And they did that here, and that's just the way they play. They've always seemingly feels like play that way over the past couple of years, and it, it's really not changed all that much. It's just that they're just a worse shooting team this year than they have been, and so they're going to have to figure out a way to keep that edge. But like I said, here they are. They're 3-3 three and three in the SEC now, and they're one of the worst shooting teams in the country, period, but they're 3-3 three and three in the SEC. They're not turning the ball over. They're rebounding it well. It's not going to be pretty, I think, the rest of the way for Texas A&M, but they're going to win games. And that's the difference between A&M and the Missouri team right now, that it's not pretty and they're just not winning games. And so, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think we might have to start in the stats recording missed shots for Texas A&M as assists. Because that's what they that's what they end up being. <laughs> oh, I'd love yeah. to be the guy on the sideline with A and M that's got the clipboard and doing the, <laughs> the shot chart. I love that for this team because you could have so much fun with like just the offensive rebounding and all that. Um, like, oh, there's another offensive rebound. It's just it's ridiculous. So, well, was that the illustrate- said, do we want to do we want to 
go through a little fantasy update? Or yeah, because look, or... let me just tell well, you, I don't know how, somehow we got here. We're almost 40 minutes in. We got two games we talked about. And, you know. It happens. Just wild, man. Wild. I, I do want to illustrate the point you guys just made with with Blake's favorite thing, computer stats. Oh, boy. After last night, AM 37 in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. 348 in the country in effective field goal percentage. That's 355 on threes, 288 on twos, 245 in free throws. Again, it's because they don't turn it over. 27th in the country in turnover rate, number one in the country in offensive rebounding rate. Almost 44% of the time, this team misses a shot. It gets the rebound. So that's that's it. I don't – look, my concern, I've said you can have stats, but then there's explanations for stats. We talked about Radford and Taylor not shooting it efficiently. I said, well, that's kind of what happens when you can't rely on your other guys. They've had Solo Washington hurt. They've had Coleman hurt. Both those guys are back last night. They shoot 29%. I just think that's what they are at this point. To, to me, this team's ceiling is a lot lower than I thought before the season uh, in, until until we see something different. And I just I'm, – I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Maybe we will. Does Dexter Dennis have any eligibility left? Boy, they could use it. <laughs> Let's get to a fantasy update here before we wrap up all Tuesday games. Um, Blake, do you think – I'm not sure how to do it, but drop the, the banner oh, yeah. down there so we can see the centers. So we've got – Blake's got the Golden Star next to him. If you haven't been following along, Blake won our first week last week by a sizable margin. This week, he loaded up on the Kentucky players. Blake, I want to hear your thoughts on on the Tuesday night performance. I think I think YouTube's going to mark this as like X rated because this is just <laughs> this is brutal. This this should not be seen on anybody's screen. <laughs> like this is just oh. this is disgusting, is what this is. Um, this is pure filth, is the way I look at this graphic right here. I mean, it, can is anyone happy with their team? Like no, surely Max, you're you're in a ten point lead here, but not even you can be happy about. I don't feel good this. about it, <laughs> like at all. I mean, let's let's be clear. Um, my Kentucky Monstars did not perform well at South Carolina. Um, I am confident that they will bounce back, but they got to play at Arkansas on Saturday, game day. I was texting these guys. We got we got a group chat. I was texting the guys. I think it was like the first five minutes. Um, I think BJ Mack was 0 for 4, 0 for 5 like, with a turnover. So I mean, he was at like negative 6 in the first five minutes. I was like, oh boy, here we go again. But he made a few threes and actually uh, stuffed the stat sheet a little bit to put up double digits. Uh, Chris. Free Big Z. Free Big Z is all I got to say. Free Chris, Reed Shepard. How are we grief. feeling over there? <laughs> horrible do, do you guys realize we could all get beat by a nine-year-old this, this is kind of the off the radar story my, my nine-year-old watches our stuff he loves sec basketball at the dinner table last night he was into everybody about it. i want to go to the sec tournament which is going to be a little problematic because my wife is supposed to be taking him out to Colorado to see her parents and he's going to throw a fit if he has to get on that plane and not see the sec tournament that's how this is going to go but he's been begging to be part of this. I said, all right, buddy. I will let you draft a team of five guys that's left over after we took our 15 combined. 
he took Sean East, Noah Carter, Tremont Mark. Um, I think he took, um, gosh, I can't remember. I think I texted it to you guys, but with what his Missouri guys did last night and the, the utter failure of the three of us, I got his, it it is very distinctly possible that he could get beat. We could all get beat by a nine-year-old. He's got Sean East and Juju Murray. And then he's got, he's got Tyree Samuel, Noah Carter, and, uh, yeah there you go so there you go there you have it well as i would like to remind chris the league is not one after one night um (laughs) it runs in the family seemingly chris is trying to hand out awards here after one night me and max have still got max and i will be all right i mean chris you're you're way behind at this point. You need you need the Ole Miss crew to really come through for you here. I'm worried Um, about relying on two Ole Miss guards. I mean, they they put up numbers this season, but um, boy, that went sideways last weekend. Of course, also it was also Auburn. I yeah. mean, so you have Jani Broom. I think, I think your team is actually you. I think you got a really good shot to make a big comeback here. I'm a big fan of Matthew Morrell, Alan Flanagan, Cam Matthews, and Jani Broom. So you're just trying to jinx me, aren't you? Yeah, I think all those guys are going to have career games this week. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris, I got one question to ask you before we wrap up. Would you put Kentucky on Auburn and Tennessee's level? <laughs> well, Blake, if I did before last night, I'm certainly not after last night. Well, that's <laughs> interesting. That's a real interesting response. I think our audience Guys, might Chris, be different. Chris, Chris was texting us all night. I mean, we probably got 82 texts from Chris just saying, <laughs> man, I told you guys about Kentucky. I mean, That's this guy was texting happened. us nonstop about how wrong we were about Kentucky. So, we'll see. Max, you see how easily this guy lies. <laughs> Max is not denying it. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. No comment from Max Barr. Uh, all right, we done? Uh, one more thing. Lamont Paris, you are our fathers. Oh, yeah, wow. let's... Uh... Hello, Dad. Come on, he tried to he tell just... us. I was in the room. He tried to tell us. us. Michi Johnson just Michi Johnson. Let me see that photo. He just he just looking at us like you bunch of stooges. You idiots. You should have known better. Look at Lamont Paris mm-hmm. with his arm around me, saying it's we all be look all good right, there. Though. I've smiled through the pain. Better We're than all well dressed. Life. As as young kids, we we are all well dressed right there. We do Ties. look sure. We're we're doing a great job. So, congrats to the Gamecocks. Hmm. What? What a season. I yeah. say congrats to the Gamecocks. Congrats to the Gamecocks. I'm not picking against them the rest of the year. <laughs> Clip that, Max. <laughs> All right. We talked for 44 minutes about two games because that's what we do here. What are we doing? <laughs> Let's do another 40. We, we can't help ourselves. Football, baseball, basketball, that's what we're here for. SEC, that's what we do. If you like it, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button, too. That costs you nothing. It's just like a follow, but it helps us out. For Max Barr and Blake Lovell, this is Chris Lee. We are Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.